Chapter 58 From miles and miles away, wind rippled across fields of grass like waves of the sea. Ladala ran quickly towards the middle of her camp. Her long brown curls spun wildly in the wind around her head like an angry storm cloud. She wore dark pants and riding boots under her deep forest green commander's uniform. Her light green skirt swished around her calves and the sun reflected off her proud brown breastplate. She wore a long-sleeved white shirt under the armor that clung to her hands and wrists. She held a protective helmet under the crook of her arm. She ran and signaled to her messengers clad in armor to rally her troops. Her troops yelled in harmony to meet quickly, clanging their armor together to meet their commander. Ladala found her horse and quickly mounted him in order to gain height above her soldiers. They circled around her with their spears, arrows, crossbows, and swords. Ladala's black horse trotted around in nervousness. Ladala raised her bow and called for silence. Listen, my warriors, Ladala cried. Now is the time for us to battle mightily and bravely. The humans, the beasts, and our own troops are once again forming an alliance to protect our lands, our families, and preserve all else that we hold dear. Hoo-ah! Hoo-ah! Her troops agreed. They knocked their breastplates with their armored arms. Look towards the skies, my warriors. They are changing, Ladala said. Look towards the trees, the good soil, and the streams. They are changing. Hoo-ah! Hoo-ah! Look to the poor, suffering earth. How she wishes to be well again, she cried. Look to the west. The islands are starting to sink, and poor Ravenna cannot flee. Look to the pearl mountains and the lava erupting over the inhabitants. Look to the beast forest, how the animals flee and die. Look to the coasts and how they flood with angry seas. The whole world is suffering because of the wickedness of one man. We hoped and we prayed this day would never come, but now we must fight to survive. We will not... We will never surrender or falter. Hoo-ah! Hoo-ah! My lady, a voice cried from the crowd. The soldiers made way for a young man dressed in higher ranks than the other soldiers. His face was hard to discern with his full helmet shielding the bridge of his nose and all of his face, save his mouth, eyes, and jawline. He knelt respectively and touched his left shoulder with his right fist. He kept his eyes from her gaze. My lady, my group is ready for your command, he spoke. Excellent. Proceed to leave at once, Ladala said. We are ready to leave faster than a heartbeat, he said, then looking directly at her. We won't rest until our duty is fulfilled. You have my trust and full confidence, Basim, Ladala said. You can turn this all around. I know it. He motioned to his men, and two soldiers parted from the rally to follow him. The soldiers looked to the sky. Above them, a large dragon ascended and climbed into the skies. His pearly, sparkling blue scales sparkled in the light like a gypsy's crystal ball. Then a lone soldier riding the large creature saluted to those on foot. Ladala smiled brightly and joined in the chanting. Hoo-ah! 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 Mistress Dizelle, I'm worried about Reshma, Gilly said quietly. It was raining and they were standing outside to feel the coolness drench their skin. 
I would be too, my sweet, Dizelle answered, hugging her shoulder. But she's alive. Really? Gilly asked, hopefully. Her toes clenched the wet mud. How do you know? I can feel it in my rattling bones, little one, Giselle said. What about Ilse? Do you think she's all right? Gilly asked. She stared into Giselle's eyes after a pause. Giselle's features softened and rain fell down her cheeks like teardrops. The worst has happened, Gilly, Giselle whispered. This isn't the end. It's only the beginning now. And it seems so quiet now, Gilly mused sadly. Are we just going to sit here and wait? Giselle stared off, deep in thought. I see that I must take Ilse's invitation, Giselle murmured. I will help Ladala's side in my own way and in my own terms. I know that's what you wish. Gilly brightened. What changed your mind? Well, Giselle paused, I want this world to still be beautiful and good for you and your future kin. Gilly smiled. She knew this meant that she would hear more news about Reshma. It's a pity, Giselle said. We probably won't see our chrysanthemums by the time they bloom. Boo, what bad luck. Sebra looked over her small, ill-kept hut before leaving. She had a small knapsack with foodstuff and extra clothes. However, that wasn't much of a concern to her. She tightened her belt and checked her twin daggers at both hips, secure. Each boot had a hidden dagger. She had a dagger strapped to each wrist and forearm, four deadly edges. Two poison darts were stuck in her hair, disguised as hair ornaments. Two hefty axes were strapped to her back, plus she had another bag filled with more poison darts and a bow to shoot them with. She hefted a crossbow and tried to decide where she would hold it. It seemed there was nowhere else, so she threw it over her shoulder and picked up her bag. She turned around and remembered she left her helmet on her bed. She fastened it quickly and checked that her other armor was secured. She kicked open the door and shut it again with her heel once she was outside. Once leaving her hut and with all her choice weapons, she looked like all the other soldiers, leaving their houses and bidding their families goodbye. She followed behind her troop, waving and displaying yellow flags. She already felt a bit of heat from her full armor and helmet, but she grinned under her helmet. She had been waiting for this battle, and she prepared for victory, just like the good old days. Once the soldiers formed larger ranks, they began singing old familiar war songs, and Sebra joined in. She knew them all perfectly. Charcoal Ridge slowly fell asleep under the crescent moon's soft glow. The traffic on the streets slowly disintegrated, and a few quiet wanderers found their way into the large, recently repaired inn. There were lights in all the windows, and the smells of soup, bread, and meat drew weary and fatigued guests inside. A large crowd of people were standing at a large desk where they were directed towards the last few available rooms or towards tables where a young man with fiery red hair smiled and greeted them. He worked swiftly and expertly, rushing to and from the kitchen with hot, steamy plates of food. There was a table of people waiting for him to assist them, and he made his way over. Berg wiped his hands on his apron, tied around his waist, and made his way to another busy table. It was his evening to bust tables, and he was almost done for the evening. Everything felt normal in town except for the heavy and stifling presence of the Ilderim soldiers. Berg picked up and listened intently and noticed that the guests by the window were pointing outside in curiosity. 
he suddenly heard lots of screaming from outside the inn. Berg suddenly changed directions and waded through the people towards the exit. Berg, take care of your tables, his father called. I can't have you rudely ignoring them. Fa, I'll be back. Give me a moment, he called back and leaned outside the door. He could see figures running free in the street. Many of them were screaming and running as fast as they could. Once his eyes adjusted to the darkness, he could see that they were women of all ages. Their hair trailed in the air like full sails, and they were shedding Yildirim armor like snakeskin. What the? he breathed. They weren't screaming with fright. They were shouts of acclamation. Doors lined along the streets opened wide and light spilled out onto the sands. Mothers and fathers, brothers and sisters raced into the streets and snatched them into their arms and never let go. Fathers kissed his daughter's damp hair while mothers tightly wrapped shoulders in a shawl and gave loving embraces. Berg leaned against the post with his arms folded. Dozens of guests shoved into the side to make way and towards the young girls just as excitedly as the girls running into their arms. Berg felt someone grab his shoulders tightly. What is all that screaming for? The innkeeper said. It's louder in here, Berg. Get to the tables. Look! His wife called, clutching his sleeve excitedly. Look at them! Isn't that as girl? Ma, I have to go! Berg called, then untied his apron and wadded it up and left it on a messy table. He squeezed through the doorway amongst the crowd, leaving the inn. His mother grasped his hand quickly before Berg was swept too far by the current. His mother looked at him earnestly, confused and worried. Ma, I'll come back. I'll be all right. Someone in the inn boasted that he would celebrate by buying drinks for everyone, and the room filled with cheers for their returned women and daughters. Berg slipped out the door and into the night. Dury, come to the looking-glass, an elderly voice called meekly. The young princess stared out the window, watching the snow drift endlessly to the ground below. With another reminder, she finally arose, gathered her massive skirt, and walked silently to an ornate mirror to sit on a small chair. A small old woman gently pulled the pins out of her hair, and long curls fell and bounced one at a time like small waterfalls. Dury stared at the mirror with empty, emotionless eyes. Her mouth played in a line as she waited for her newest governess to finish. She was planted by the Ilderim leader after her beloved and lifelong governess was killed. Enough of the saying, dearest, the elderly woman requested as she gently combed the princess's long curls. Dury said nothing in return, but slightly jerked her head at the motion of the woman's tugging. Thank you, Dury breathed when the woman was finished. Today has just been a trying day. The woman smiled slightly and silently walked away. Dury still stared at her face without so much of a twitch. A blink here or there was all. She had felt that way since Ilse was captured in the inn. She finally washed the thick, expensive powder and makeup off her face, rubbing her eyes. She stared at her normal complexion. Her skin was three shades darker without the white powder that made her look pale as milk. She then arose and someone came and helped her undress from her large gown. Her hips seemed to expand and relax from the load of her dress. Someone guided her to a small, expensive bathtub as they washed the bluish-silver powder from her hair, revealing raven-black curls. The princess slipped into a warm bedgown, and she slid into a long, furred robe that enveloped her entirely. Her servants left her, and she walked soundlessly back to the window to stare at the large window. She swiftly and silently began braiding her own hair into a large plate down her spine. As she got towards the end of her long hair, her brows furrowed softly. 
She didn't have anything in her hand to tie around her hair to keep her hair braided. She arose and walked towards her nightstand and rummaged in the dim lamplight for a ribbon. She quickly and expertly tied it in place before her hair fell out of place. In the silence, she heard a large, rhythmic whooshing sound. Her head spun around and her braid whipped onto her back in response. It was a loud, beating noise just outside her balcony window. She gathered her robe close around her and edged close towards the window. Suddenly, two dark figures jumped and landed atop her large balcony. They crept silently towards the princess and bowed deeply. She returned the bow with one herself. She could hear men shouting, coming from her front door, and she turned and jumped at the knocking and clambering. She looked back at the figures, two young soldiers. Just behind them were two other soldiers astride a large dragon, silver and twinkling in the moonlight. The princess smiled, revealing a pair of snow boots on her feet under her nightgown. Just then, her door broke down and guards rushed in to attack. Dury edged towards the window, casting spells on the soldiers as they approached. They froze in mid-stride with anger and alarm etched in their faces. Before long, Dury had to leap before more came. She ran towards the dragon and the soldiers lifted her to safely sit on the dragon's back between the four of them. The helpers swiftly jumped up and the dragon shrieked slightly as they flew away from the balcony. She gripped excitedly to the person in front of her as the guard behind her made sure she was secure. She looked down at her dark, gloomy home and then smiled at the guard behind her. Finally, Dury breathed. We hope you enjoyed Destiny Seeker, The Messenger. Text copyright 2018 by Whitney O. McBruder. Production copyright 2020 by Wit and Travesty. All rights reserved. <laughs> 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 <laughs>